everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we're talking the new comics of the week. This is New Comic Book Day Wednesday, and uh, let's get started. So the comics that came out this this Wednesday were Absolute Carnage number two, Absolute Carnage Lethal Protectors number one, Amazing Spider-Man number 28, Avengers number 23, Black Panther number 15, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 11, House of X 3, Immortal Hulk Director's Cut number 2, Marvel Monsters number 1, Marvel Team-Up number 5, Marvel's Spider-Man Velocity number 1, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 46, Power Pack Grow Up number 1, Runaways 24, She-Hulk Annual number 1, Spider-Man Life Story number 6, Star Wars Age of the Resistance General Hux number 1, uh, there's also Star Wars Age of the Resistance Poe Dameron number one as well. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge number five, Thanos number five, Thor 16, and Venom 17. So of those four, oh, also uh, Marvel Comics 1000 came out this week. I guess that's a as good a place to start as any. The um, I went to my comic shop today, and there are there are so many variant covers for this comic. There's at least ten, I know for certain, because they're doing a just like DC. They're doing a decades variant for each uh, decade that Marvel's been around. So there's eight covers right there. Plus, I know I pre-ordered a um, J. Scott Campbell and a Joe Casada variant cover or variant covers on it. And I saw some other really cool ones there too. There's a Gabriel Del Auto cover, and uh, Mike Allred's doing a um, the '60s variant cover. He's he's one of my favorite artists, so that one that one looks really good too. There's some other really great ones in that pile. So, um, I, like I said, I have it pre-ordered, so I won't be reviewing that today. But I would say check it out. I I, I called it a cash grab, and I I sort of stand by that just because it's a t- it's ten dollars. It's a ten dollar issue. It's ninety six pages though. So if you're looking for a book to read, essentially, this might be your thing. It's a, 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 apparently eighty different creators, uh, and they all are telling a one page story that somehow is connected. So um, for me, that's enough for me to say that I'm interested and definitely wanting to check that out. But uh, um, like I said, I'm not. I won't be reading it today. But the first comic that I will be reviewing is going to be Thor, issue number 16. So this is by Jason Aaron and Mike Del Mundo on uh, art, both on covers and on the interiors. Like I said, I'm a huge fan whenever that takes place, and most of Thor has been really good. And this is a beautiful wraparound cover. It essentially just shows, in a sense, it's it's Jason Aaron's legacy. It's all the characters that he's touched as he's done Thor for the last uh, was it seven or eight years. It's been a long time. I think it's seven because I think he started his run in 2012. But this is the last Thor issue. He is doing a one through four uh, miniseries called King Thor. That's apparently like the finale. But this was a really good sort of finale issue. And like I said, the art is just killer. Mike Del Mundo just paints the hell out of this book. But uh, it's essentially the story of Thor getting crowned king after the War of Realms. Odin's basically stepping down, uh, and Thor is going to be the new king, and they've got a coronation planned. But uh, Thor isn't showing up, so he's essentially like all over the world helping people in some of the weirdest and, and most special ways. There's there's one where he's using Mjolnir or a hammer to uh, hammer in some nails on a church that he's helping build. He uh, saving someone's life with an organ transplant that he has attached to the hammer and throws to Australia or from Australia. He's trying to throw it to uh, 
to Sydney. So Australian fans out there, um, you know, they're, you're going to get a shout out in this issue. And, uh, uh, but yeah, other than that, you're kind of getting to see the sort of status quo that things have going on. You get to see what's up with Loki, what's up with Odin and really everyone in Asgard. But at the same time, it's, it's the, it's the issue or that it's that part in the movie where after the big battle is over and everyone's kind of celebrating. And that's essentially what this issue is. So it's cool because again, it leads directly into King Thor, which uh, I'm looking forward to. I'm not going to be getting King Thor right as it comes out. I'm having it pre-ordered on Midtown, so I'll be reviewing that issue on a different day than when it typically comes out. But overall, since this is the last issue, I would say, um, I mean, in no uncertain terms, Jason Aaron absolutely transformed Thor. He transformed the Thor franchise, and uh, that's, I mean, that just goes, it goes beyond anything I've ever seen anybody do. I mean, you, when you think of Thor, and I've talked about this in the past, but when you think of Thor, who's the person that you always think of like, oh yeah, that's Thor? Typically, you would say maybe Walt Simonson or uh, Stan Lee or heck, anybody who's ever, you know, used Thor like as a uh, Norse god. But in my eyes, when I hear Thor, I think Jason Aaron every single time now. He he had so many powerful stories and he worked with so many great creators. You've got his initial run with Isad Ribic, where you got to see young Thor, you got to see current day Thor and old man Thor in a sense, King Thor, who we finally get, you know, the... the uh, the end piece of King Thor of uh, this last little series, but it was just the art was insane. You got Gore the God Butcher and the Necro Sword, and then um, you got all of Dario Agar, who is the CEO of the Roxxon Corporation, who actually can turn into a Minotaur. That's kind of explored, and I think I might be wrong. I don't think I am, but I think that was like the first appearance of that sort of thing was in Thor. Uh, of him being sort of the CEO of this giant oil company that's trying to take over the world in a sense. And uh, he really got a really interesting thought process on that when he wrote those stories. And so that's part of it. And you also got literally within like, it was like issue, what was it, like 12 or 13, where it was like, boom, we're already talking about the War of the Realms. And so he's been building to that War of the Realms story for seven years, essentially. And so from there, he jumped over to the Jane Th Jane Foster Thor, which uh, had him along with Russell Dowderman on arts, or art, with I think some help from Oliver Copiel at uh, one point. And Oliver is also a phenomenal artist too. They they kind of have that similar. Um, that similar piece. Oh, and you know who would be another person I would say it would be J. Michael Straczynski. He had a really great Thor run as well, uh, right around when Civil War was going on. Or it was actually right after Civil War ended, but um, the first Civil War. But so from there, you got Jane Foster Thor, you got beautiful art, you got the Mangog, which was one of the greatest villain battles that I have ever seen drawn on paper. I mean, honestly, that fight, that whole, and I was following that on Marvel Unlimited, that was better than War of the Realm which is is high praise very high praise because war of the realms was great but the mangog was just this weird creepy scary monster that um oh and not only that but he also did the uh the it was like a god battle it was like jane foster and a couple of asgardians against uh the shiar gods the gods of the shiar they had like asked them 
to sort of like a, a contest, I guess you could say, if I'm remembering it right. I, I would definitely reread that, though. But, um, yeah, so even that was amazing. And then you got the whole death of Thor, of Jane Foster's character, and that that was powerful. I cried on that. You got some amazing covers, cover art, interior art, and then, boom, you get the Del Mundo, the Mike Del Mundo, Jason Aaron run, which is 16 issues, and was also great. It was a, a weird new status quo for Thor that I was digging, and the fact that he had a bunch of different hammers that he was using, which was really cool. And then, obviously, you got War of the Realms. Like I said, that was just an event unto itself, something that I haven't seen in a long time, where an event comic by itself is able to tie into the entire Marvel Universe because you had different people like um, Cinder, Queen, the Queen of Cinders, or Cinder was the Queen of Muspelheim, and then you had like the Enchantress, and all of them were literally taking over different countries because the last realm that they hadn't conquered was Midgard or Earth, and so they had, they had comic series covering what the people were doing in Africa, in Australia, in Asia, and it was that's where New Agents of Atlas came out of, and so he just, Jason Aaron, is he truly is the god of thunder in my eyes and uh this issue is like i said nothing crazy happens in this issue but it's just it's that nice padded issue at the end of the series where you get to you get to reflect on everything that's come before and really appreciate that we've gotten a amazing thor stories for the last seven years and it, it made me think too like well what's going to happen next because they timed it perfectly the final issue of king thor comes out in december so that means january will be assumedly be a new creative team writing thor because jason's not going to be doing it after that there's no way he's ve- he's made it very clear that this is the end he he planned this for this long and so it'll be interesting to see who marvel chooses to write thor again and what type of direction they're going to want to take thor because i'll be honest jason aaron he mined the hell out of thor like there's i don't know what more stories you could tell because it, it just it's it'll be interesting maybe they'll they'll focus on thor being the king of asgard but in that case i mean at the same time too if you're sad about this Jason Aaron is still going to be writing Thor and Avengers. So that's, as far as I know, that hasn't changed. There's, I don't know what the solicitations are for December, but it sounds like Jason Aaron's got quite a few plans in the works for Thor, which is great news. So moving on from that, uh, we got a double whammy today, which is Absolute Carnage number two and uh, Absolute Carnage Venom number 17. So, um, I, I read both of them. I read Absolute Carnage first, so I'm going to review it first, but, they, uh, uh, you know, honestly, I, I guess if I if I could say, it, and I'll do it this way in the review, but um, I would read Venom 17 first because there's sort of a um, sort obviously there's connections in Venom to Absolute Carnage, but there's a specific panel in Absolute Carnage that references what happens in, in Venom 17. So I would say to maybe read this one first, and so the Venom issue is sort of starts out with. Uh, with Eddie or Venom and Spider-Man fighting all the Carnage symbiotes that we saw at the very end of Absolute Carnage, but then from there, and that's only one one or two pages, and then it just shifts to dealing with the Maker, with the Ultimate Reed Richards, who is essentially babysitting and protecting both Dylan, which is Eddie Brock's son, and Norma Normie, little Normie Osborn, uh, which is Norman Osborn's grandson. I think he's the son of Liz Allen. 
and uh, yeah, I think it's Liz Allen, and uh, I'm, I, you know, and I, I'd have to correct my math on this, but I wonder if it's out of that weird, that weird situation that was in the the J. Michael Straczynski Spider-Man run, where it was like Norman Osborn ended up having sex with Liz Allen, and it was like a really weird, really uncomfortable story. And I maybe this is uh, who Normie is. I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. The, the reason he's babysitting Normie is because. He was he was a Carnage symbiote in Amazing Spider-Man. If you guys read the final issues of Dan Slott's run, which is like Amazing Spider-Man, like seven ninety five through eight hundred, um, he becomes a symbiote. And and like the story is, Carnage is trying to kill and take the codex that's connected to all the spines of the people who have worn the symbiote costume or the symbiote suit. And so he's one of them. So they're protecting him. And of course, the. Uh, um, some, some symbiotes come to take, to take what they think is theirs essentially. And I, I had said prior that I'd been wondering, you know, how Venom was going to go after issue 16. Now that we're in absolute carnage, like, is it going to get not better, but is it going to, are we going to get something new and interesting? Cause it's felt like the last few issues have kind of just been at least 16 was kind of just a basic thing. And the answer is 100%. Yes. Yes. Um, I won't no spoilers, but I'm saying what I'm what I will say is we get a ton, a ton of character development for Dylan, which is awesome. And then uh, we get some great character development for the maker as well, which was so cool to see because you kind of he's a bad guy, right? Like he's an anti-hero in a sense. And so to see him p- trying to protect these kids was really cool to see. <clears throat> so I would highly recommend picking up that issue for sure. But uh, more so than that issue, I would say Absolute Carnage issue number two, obviously, because you guys have already read issue number one because it's that popular. Uh, It sold a million copies, didn't it? It beat out uh, X-Men 1. But um, this is just by and far such a good event series going right now. I mean, two issues in. Obviously, we've got a couple more issues to go. But Donnie Cates and and Ryan Stegman and everyone on this, uh, J.P. Mayer on inks and Frank Martin on color arts with lettering by who other than VCs Clayton Cowles. Come on, guys. You knew he was going to be on this one. But what was cool, and as these are kind of a mirror to each other, the Venom issue is uh, narrated by Eddie. Absolute Carnage issue is mostly narrated by Carnage, which is really cool because like I said, Donnie Cates is the king. Uh, he's the king of carnage. He's the king of symbiotes. Just listen to this. I'm just going to read what's on the first page because this is a preview. But it says, he's basically, you know, that's the recap of what's happening. But he says, uh, and then this world falls under a waterfall of blood and enters a new universe of dark. And oh boy, I will be there sucking the last sweet shivering breaths out of its rotting maggot filled bloated corpse dancing all silly and spine-broken to the universe's death rattle. I am the gore emperor of a thousand dead stars. I am a new colossus of bleeding red megadeth. I am the red right hand of the king in black. And I am the end of the world as you bleeping know it. Whole, oh, and, and, and I feel like a drink. Like that is, ooh, that he just, I got chills just reading that. But like I said, the art is killer. And essentially this is, sees us following up on Spider-Man and Venom escaping from, from Carnage because they know at this point they can't beat him. And then, like I said, there's kind of a, a cut in of him talking with the maker so you, and saying like, oh, I'm figuring it out. But he actually gives some real, a good twist in this story about something that, um, I certainly wasn't seeing coming. So I, I, you know, check it out just for that because now I think this is just infinitely more interesting. And then you get your classic two page. There's a two page splash page 
beautifully drawn, but just tying into all the tie-in issues that have happened. And then also, uh, I was going to say this before, because the way that Donny Cates writes Spider-Man as well, he kills it. I love how he writes Spider-Man. And I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, the only Spider-Man that he writes better than Spider-Man is Miles Morales Spider-Man. I really liked that, him writing on that too. And guess who else is in this issue? Miles Morales. And he, he, uh, there's some interesting stuff going on with Miles as well. So that's a 100% pickup issue uh, along with Venom. I'd say that's a two-parter. I don't know about the other uh, tie-ins, but those two are just phenomenal. And so from there, we're going to move into the final issue that I read, which is House of X, issue three of six. Again, guys, I, I'm especially for this issue because I know I know a lot of people out there like me talking about it. For those of you who either haven't heard it or whatnot, I'm going to go into full spoilers for this issue. So uh, my first thoughts on this issue is just like last week, this issue is amazing. Pick it up, lose your mind just like I did. And, uh, and then tell me what you think and then come back and listen to uh, the spoiler portion of this. So we'll get started. Um, and, and I'm going to just go based on this. So the literally first page is just like all, all of them. It's a quote and it just says, you make me so proud by professor X. And that just reading that I immediately got pumped reading this issue. I was like, yes, he knows how to write professor X. And then the title of this issue is once more unto the breach. Written by Jonathan Hickman, Pepe Larraz on arts, color arts by Marte Gracia, and VCs Clayton Cowles on uh, letters. So come on, you, you gotta be kidding me. But what what I my favorite parts of this story were Cyclops has a conversation with Professor Xavier and Magneto, and it is just it. God, he says he says they understand both the stakes and the risk. They um, understand and embrace it. And Xavier says, such a brave face you're wearing for me, but I can hear the fear in your mind, Scott, because he's, you know, trying, he, they have to go f- blow up the space station up, up by the sun. He said, and Scott says, is it wrong that I'm afraid that I have doubts? And he says, of course not. You've always been that way. What matters is that you overcome it and you do so for your family. You make me so proud and let me put your fears to rest, my son. You are not going to die. I won't allow it. And Magneto says, For the righteous can never truly die. They live on, transformed into something immortal by their mighty works. For you to die, you would have to be forgotten. And no one forgets a founder of a nation. Wow. Wow, guys. Wow. But, you know, when you read it, even when I read it on the first time, I was like, that's kind of the sort of thing that you would tell somebody when they're going on a suicide mission. And uh, that brings back to the whole thing from House of X1 and the pods with the the created uh, X-Men, where it's like, are they going to just send these guys to destroy this place and die in the process? And then they're going to have a new set of X-Men ready and waiting? If so, interesting. Very interesting. But, uh, but yeah, so the X-Men head off. We find out that Krakoa, this piece of Krakoa is on the moon, but they're flying to the sun. And we find out some more stuff about the Omega Sentinel. There's some great uh, um, graph-type pages explaining that, along with Project Achilles, which is a superhuman supermax prison designed for only 30 uh, like incredibly dangerous criminals and so from there we get to a, a basically a court hearing where they're sentencing Sabretooth there and it's the, just so badass because the white queen emma frost and two of the coo- the stepford cuckoos come in and save him basically and they say you know that this isn't going to happen that we're uh, she says you're going to give him to me because in anticipation of krakoa becoming a sovereign nation 
All Krakoans on United States soil, natural born or otherwise, now enjoy the privilege of diplomatic immunity, a recent gift from your State Department. Uh, and it's like, oh, you guys, you guys. And so he's and he's like, oh, I'm going to kill again. And it's like, oh, I'm I have no doubt that you will. And then we get another graph of the Omega, the Omega Sentinel process of becoming an Omega Sentinel, which kind of leads back into what was happening in the last issue where those humans were infecting people with that kind of techno organic virus that was turning them into machines so we can see that's what they're wanting to do they're wanting to ascend and be machines and then the rest of the issue is just on that orcus base with the x-men going to attack them and holy crap is it a cool scene i mean honestly i'd say that i want to spoil the whole thing for you guys just because i want to talk about it but there's not really many spoilers it's just the the interactions that they have with each other like apparently nightcrawler knows uh karima and uh, I was speaking with some friends, and uh, one of them had mentioned, and I'll say a shout out to uh, Andrew, man- mentioned that uh, uh, Karima is uh, was on Excalibur, on the X-Men Excalibur. And so I'm, I'm a little weak in that older X-Men area of comics. And if that's the case, what a cool callback. What a great way for Hickman to just once again reference some old... Uh, mythos of x-men because he's just been killing it doing that and then the final the finale of the issue is you know at this point the x-men are beating the crap out of them like they're all like how did they even know we were here how did they even know we were on the sun and so by the end of it one of the guys is like he basically blows himself up right where the x-men are landing on their plane on their ship and that's the last thing on here is is the ship exploding and so we can either assume that means the X-Men are dead, and like I said, they're going to have these pod people come, or maybe they already got onto the ship, and, and it's one of those things where it's led to believe this, because next week we're getting the next issue of House of X, which is um, you know back-to-back with this. I wouldn't be surprised if the next issue is just a giant fight with them on the ship. And then obviously, oh my god, it ends with, for you to die, you would have to be forgotten, and no one forgets a founder of a nation. And then also, interestingly enough, we get the out the Krakoan alphabet in this in this issue like a graphic for it so they waited until the midpoint of this series to share with us that graphic and um and yeah like i said this isn't this certainly wasn't like a house of x number two type issue where you're you get you're getting a holy crap my mind is blown moment every few minutes but it's just a all-around amazing story because at this point the groundwork has been laid. So at the, now we're just getting to enjoy the the fruits of our labors at this point. Like we're getting to enjoy the current state of the X Men trying to fight for survival, and I think that's what we've always wanted. And I certainly know that's what I always wanted. And I picked up a beautiful vi- just for a shout out too for any of you guys who are going to the live comic shop. There are some beautiful variants out this week. There's the uh, Sarah Pacelli flower variant with Jean Grey on it that. I picked up for house of x absolutely gorgeous and if you can pick it up at the store good for you because it's already selling on ebay for like 20 dollars. and then the venom bring on the bad guys variant cover which uh is just gore like i can't even express to you how beautiful this cover is and i gotta open this up and let you know who the the variant cover is it's uh yeah it's sung yun yoon and uh so it's just it's gorgeous absolutely gorgeous but uh, that's what we've got for this week so uh lighter week and but not necessarily in terms of content just in terms of comics and again there's some other great ones out there like uh the marvel comics 1000 i'm sure avengers is great i'll be getting that when i get it for midtown but uh for the most part as, as well like i had mentioned on my previews uh, marvel previews issue or episode last week 
Uh, the Marvel Previews catalog came out this week in store. So if you're looking to see what's going to be coming for Marvel in November, ask your comic shop to get you a copy. They're free. And uh, or you can access it on the Marvel uh, the Marvel Comics app. Uh, and, and someone did ask me if it's available on the Comicsology app. That I don't know. I do not use Comicsology, so um, check and see if you want on there as well. But you can also just go on Marvel.com, and I think you could probably download it on there for free too. But uh, that's going to do it for today. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host Alex Klein. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk with you next week. <laughs>